Saying low, Apple Music. It was a whirlwind two years, you know, when Golden Hour, the album, came out. It so instantly appealed to people, not just because of the quality of the songs and start to finish, that is a pretty note-perfect album, but also because of the person who wrote them and performed them. Casey Musgraves has always been this outlier who exists within a country music scene, but is an entirely country music, has often had matters of opinion, strengths of character, well ahead of the curve. She is one of those artists that is more than the sum total of her songs or her performances. There's just more to her and people recognize and respect that. So getting to know her around Golden Hour and then watching that album go on to do what it did culminating in the Grammy album of the year in that particular year was as a music fan just an incredible journey and then of course what has happened subsequently is the themes of that album which are falling in love getting married and ultimately looking at the world through that lens started to unravel and life as it does took a different turn leading to a new album full of new songs with new themes so how do you cover this ground how do you talk about heartbreak divorce and things that have inspired a new body of work without stepping into overly personal territory or taking on some kind of pseudo agony type role it's just it's something that both of us are aware of when we sat down to talk about her brand new album called Starcrossed and we address it right away at the very top of this conversation but thankfully what ensues is something that's far more personal than her personal life I'm really proud of this conversation we both really enjoyed it and I hope you do too this is Casey Musgraves on the interview series Well, I'm just really glad that we uh, chose to come in fashion casual today yeah, yeah. because the setting would suggest otherwise. Right, right. We're bringing it. We're, we're setting the bar low. We are. We, we, exactly. We're coming in and keeping it. We, we're lowering the tone yeah. appropriately. We're keeping it lowbrow. <laughs> I'm good at that. It's great to see you. <laughs> you too. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. How do we uh, How do we do this? I don't know, man. Where do we begin? Where do we begin? Where because the hell? How do you prepare to even present, let alone dive into a record like this? I don't know. I think you just do it without thinking too much about it, um, because really, if I if I really think too much about it, I mean, it's a very it's a very personal album, and yeah. I can kind of trip out a little bit thinking about sharing that much of kind of the last chapter, you know. Yeah, for sure. What has it taught you about um, your your willingness to reveal? Because you already have revealed a huge amount and throughout your life and your music, and mm-hmm. it's clearly in your nature to want to share your right. thoughts because it works for you, and then it works for us. Right. But this yeah. is a whole other level. I mean. What does it teach you about yourself? I think that there is always reward in in choosing to be the most vulnerable. Like, I have to remind myself that that's one of the strongest things that you can do is to be witnessed being vulnerable, you know. So just trying to lean into that and, you know, all the emotions that come with that, I think. Um, And, you know, in doing so, I just think that, you know, the whole point of it is human connection, you know, and... And seeing messages from people like around the globe saying like, man, I've gone through the same thing that you have. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. Um, can't wait to hear these songs, you know. I mean, it's just cool. I feel through this process um, a little closer to humanity in some ways because it's like, you know, you can be the golden hour girl and you can have rose-colored glasses and experience this like, you know, earth-shattering love, and you can't experience the antithesis of that, and that is life, and you, that you is roll life. with it. And it's real, and it's like, yeah, at first I was a little, I felt a little bit like, you know, okay, so the world now knows me from this this album that is, you know, exclaiming, you know, all the beautiful things about falling in love with someone, and then here I come. With this other, with this yeah, reverse. Yeah, I'm like, oh. But, but you, okay, first of all, you yourself said that is life, and I think everybody has to acknowledge, and especially when you become a parent, like I'm a parent, like you mm-hmm. really don't want to have this conversation with your kids, but at some point you will You will go through this. Right. And, and I, I try and use the phrase, if you're lucky, you'll experience yes. experience heartbreak. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an, it's an opportunity to dig into yourself, to mm-hmm. learn more about why you do the, the things that you do, why you choose the kind of people that you do. I mean, I kind of think that we're all just, in a sense, like re- reenacting the things that we've learned, like through our childhoods yeah. in our adult relationships, you know? Totally. And it's like, it's worth examining. You have to. So, I mean, it took me back to ground zero and completely trying to just understand myself and, you know, why I do the things that I do, you know? And why do you why do you um, reenact those things through other people in your relationships, you know? It's incredible. How freeing. I mean, you just summed it up beautifully. Like, most of us bring our past with us into our present, which then dictates our future. Yeah. 
you're trying to heal your past through your present relationships yeah. and as opposed it, to letting it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that like, you know, I could have been I could have coasted another few years kind of in the same zone that I was at, but yeah. I'm honestly really glad for the opportunity to kind of like acknowledge the relationship, acknowledge the love that I had, but move on and be better, you know. You did the work. Oh, I've been trying. It's yeah. not easy. No. It's definitely not easy and then as we all know, you know, having um nowhere to run with the you know, COVID and all of our jobs changing. But I wondered about that and whether or not, because what normally happens is when we go through any kind of significant trauma in our life in the present day, and it brings up feelings from the past and whatnot, mm -hmm. it becomes this really kind of perfect storm. Mm -hmm. The flip side is, is that, and I've seen this happen, and I've done this, you know, you go the other way, you distract yourself, you oh. run out into the world, you do totally. stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, you fall into all kinds of crazy stuff. Some of it's light and fr frivolous, some of it's substance-based and really mm. dangerous. And we do whatever we can to avoid, avoid, avoid. Avoid the pain. And you didn't really get a chance to do that, huh? No, I had to sit with it. I mean, I couldn't, I didn't have the usual, the luxury of, of being really busy and filling my calendar. And, um, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I did a lot of therapy and. Isn't it um, the best? Therapy? What? Therapy? Yeah, it's the best and the worst. <laughs> it's like, That's sometimes true. you're like, why am I doing, why am I doing this? This is. This is painful, but no, I think it's it's wonderful. It's a it's a yeah necessary thing. It's great. Listen, this, this album is a beautiful case study in doing the work. I think, and 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 that's why I think it's important to recognize that as we listen to this album, we have to sort of almost separate you from it mm -hmm. as fans. And I want to be one of the first people to say that, hopefully, to you. That yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to listen to this through your eyes or mm -hmm. your ears or your experiences. Like, oh, poor Casey, or great Casey. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to like figure out how it works for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that will happen really, really quickly because we established it's a universal experience, mm -hmm. this idea of having to learn about yourself through trauma, through yes. sadness. Definitely. I mean, I have to remind myself that trauma, heartbreak, um, grief, mm -hmm. anger, depression, all these things in a lot of ways are even more relatable than like having this catastrophic, like this crazy love. Totally. What you happens what if I mean? this album is more successful and reaches more people than Golden Hour? You'll be like, wow, okay, now I know where humanity really right. stands. We're all We're all up. Up. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, yeah, that would be uh, pretty comforting. But um, yeah, I feel like, you know, the past year, uh, I've gone through, you know, the, the I think it's the five stages of grief, yep. you know? You, you're kind of shocked at the situation at first when you experience trauma or a massive life change. You're angry. Um, you go through bargaining stages. Well, if I would have done this, this yeah. would have been different. Yeah. Depression, loneliness, but also like excitement and hope for the future. Yeah. And like, it was just interesting to me through this that I really learned that, first of all, healing is not linear. You know, you go, cool, I'm making like a life change. I'm, I'm doing this. And then the next day you're like, holy f what did I do? You, you know, you did it really fast too. Because most people speak like I feel like there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer, some some reason, goes through every stage of grief at, at one second at a time. Yeah, he's yeah. like, "Are you kidding? I'm really sad. Please don't go. Okay, it's fine. I'm really happy." And it just gets right. Sad. You're like, "This is awesome. Uh, holy sh." Yeah. So I don't know. It was um, a big lesson in in healing and how mm. it, it is very it's very up and down. It comes in waves. And you just got to hold on through it. And then another thing that became really apparent to me that nobody tells you when you're growing up, which I wish that someone would have told me, is that doing the right thing for yourself still feels wrong sometimes. Mm. And that's so confusing, mm. you know. And then also, well, you know. Why is that, do you think? Uh, I don't know, because I, I think that not every, you know, no one is all good or all bad, you know. And I think that. Yeah. That's what makes it kind of a mind fuck is that it's just not a clean, it's not a clean black and white feeling, you know. But in the end, you just have to choose yourself. And um, it just doesn't always feel right in the moment, you know. Do you feel much better at, at being able to appreciate who you are? And I guess it's not even put too fine a point on it. Love yourself than you mm -hmm. did even when everybody loved you the, before. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I think so. Like just choosing to, to lean into the uncomfortability um, and to learn more about like what I need, learn mm -hmm. how to advocate for myself better. Yeah, I definitely think that that equates to self-care and you know self-love for sure. I wanted to ask you a question, and again, this isn't anything specific, but I want to ask you a question about, because um, there's a lot of heartbreak on this record. It's so beautifully captured and really wonderfully expressed. And in order to get through the other side and find hope, you know, I think you've got to find the good in that. And I wondered what you actually learned to appreciate about heartache. I mean, sometimes it's just unavoidable, you know what I mean? And I've learned a lot about control through this whole thing. I think that you largely want to control and dig into something when you don't feel safe. Mm. Um, and I think that, 
I've done that a lot in my younger, like my younger self. Like I would just try to like hold on and control a relationship or like someone or something or like even my career and stuff. And um, it's just been nice to kind of like let go of the control a little bit. And I don't know, I just feel like it, it lends itself to more happiness because you're not so fixated on like a certain outcome that you can be really disappointed by. So you're just like, let it go. You're just like leaning into it. And I don't know, it just makes life a lot easier. Has it lessened your anxiety? Because they say the definition yes. of anxiety is that you can't control the situation or the outcome. That's why you're obsessed with the past and of the future because mm. you're trying to redefine your past and control what hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's just an anxiety spiral. So it's just like, just let go. I've learned a lot about that. You, you think that letting go would you know, send you into even more of a spiral. But I think if you can learn to embrace it a little bit, I don't know, it's been nice. Let's, yeah. let's test that theory then, because yesterday, from what I can tell, and I hope I'm not betraying any trust here, but I'm <laughs> sure this would come out eventually, you walked into a room and you saw a whole bunch of new players I did. playing your music for the first time, and you've completely reset the room mm -hmm. across the board pretty much. Yeah. And have, have you consider this obviously a new start. Yeah. So you've got a brand new band. I do. Playing old songs and new. Yeah. That is... You are walking the walk. That is really letting go. <laughs> it is um, a rebirth in many ways. Um, it's a clean slate. It's it's the opportunity to thank the old energy um, and to appreciate it and know that you would not be where you are without all of the old that was there for you. Um, but it's also allowing for new energy to come in and a new like new ideas and new personalities and um, just new possibilities. And so, while it is intimidating, you know, to to let go of almost like, you know, your security blanket in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, I think that there's a lot of bravery in that, and I, I, I don't know, I, I hope that there's there's reward in that, I feel. I want to go back, actually, just quickly, because you said something that was really interesting to me, which was I presented this whole album, this whole idea of what love was, and people fell in love with me through the idea of love, mm -hmm. and you captured it so beautifully. Um, you deserve that respect, and you deserve that adoration. That record is, is one of the most stunning tributes to to new love I've ever yeah, heard. Thank you. So when you have to go through this process of, of continuing to be creative in a different environment, mm -hmm. was there even a fleeting moment when you felt sad that people looked at you that way or, or almost like Golden Hour was, could be perceived as like, at worst, a lie, at your most irrational, a lie? Mm. I don't know. I just think that we're all taught that like that love and relationships have to be this like lifelong thing. And I just think that we do ourselves a disservice by not acknowledging the fact that it can be just as beautiful in its own season. And that just because it ends doesn't take away from the things that you felt and the things that it taught you. Like I would never take back the last chapter ever. But uh, it was hard to not look at it as a failure of sorts, you know. So crazy, um, your most successful record, Grammy album of the year. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, wow, on a personal level, how do I relate to that record mm -hmm. now? Well, exactly. I mean, I've leading up to where I'm now, and I, I would say that I can, I'm kind of looking at all of that from from a, uh, the other side of the fence, sort of. And I feel definitely like I'm, I'm happy. Um, I feel like I'm on solid ground now. But there was a time where I was like, okay, Golden Hour is trash. I'm not ever singing it again. And like, like, sorry, y'all. I'm just going to, you're just going to have to come to the shows and just like, if you want to hear these songs, like, oh, you're, wow. no, slow, like, oh, no. Wow. I would have been one of those people in the crowd that was just screaming slow burn in the top of my lungs <laughs> being that annoying. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's hard. It's like, I never want to see another butterfly but you again. <laughs> but you have these relationships with these songs. Mm -hmm. We form these relationships. They become ours. Yes. But they start out as your totally. relationship. Totally. Well, that's, that's the whole thing. Well, first off, like, so yeah, I was like, you know, Golden Hour, nah, I'm, I'm like, I'm just, I'm not, but as I've gone on and, and found, um, you know, some more stable ground and personal happiness, I'm like, you know what? No, the magic of Golden Hour does not have to die with that relationship. It can live on and I will relate to it again. Like you can re-relate to your own songs later again in new ways. It's kind of crazy how that works. But but yeah, I'm in this phase now where I've been holding on to Starcrossed. Um, yeah. I've been, you know, working on every single little detail and it's about to become everyone else's, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm close to releasing it, and I don't know. There's a letting go process, sort of, because right now it is mine. It's for me, and, and it's it's shielded from outside opinion, outside, you know, attached meaning. It's mine, and it, you know what I mean? But now it's about to be— That's, that's got to be the most magic time of all in a weird way. It is. As much as there's anticipation for people to embrace it, to know that you have this fleeting moment where you just get to make peace with it mm -hmm. and live with it, love it, yeah. And then feel like no matter what comes back at me, yeah. 
I've worked this through. Yeah, and I, I support this. Uh, I cherish it. It's mine. Um, and then when you release it, I mean, it's crazy that it then lives on in all these other multi-dimensions with all these other people's, you know, relations and thoughts and opinions. It's a beautiful balance on the record. Let's just get into that for a second because everything you're saying is on the record, by the way. That's what's amazing about it. And you have this amazing ability to be able to bury these things just below the surface so on the fourth or fifth listen. Like I've listened to the album so much mm -hmm. and I only just in one of the recent listens picked up on the gold now fades to black light. <laughs> really? Yeah. Which is because I'd been focused on the theme of the song and not that specific yeah. line. And so I suddenly was like, oh, wow, that's a really telling line. And mm -hmm. you just literally explained that whole process of what doesn't kill me. Gold now fades to black. It's cool. I got to pick up, move on. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll even take it with me. Mm -hmm. You're lucky. I'm going to take it with me. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I think about um, a song, and then you spoke before about wanting to hold on to those memories and not try to banish them, like so many of us do when we have Ooh. our heart broken. Like, yeah. I'm just going to bury delete this that. and delete that. You can't. No, and that's what camera no. roll is. Yes. Oh, my God. Which, which as a song, uh, I mean, it's one of the best songs I, I, I've heard from memory, like in recent memory. Like, I can't think of. Thank like, you. It's so incredible. Thank you. And I have to just stop there. So we're just going to talk about this song. Okay. And yeah. how it, where it came from. Right. And how it how you felt as you wrote it and when you finished it. Mm -hmm. Well, so I kind of thought I was fine. You know, it was in, I was kind of on an upswing of, like, confidence. Um, I'm feeling good about, you know, these life changes, um, where I'm at, made the right decision. Like, we're, you know, we're moving forward. And then, you know, uh, in a moment of, of, I don't know, I guess boredom and weakness, I found myself. God, they're two powerful things. Jesus, I mean, come on, that's a lethal combo. <laughs> wow, <laughs> two words that people just kick around, yeah. and you put them together, and it's like skadoosh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I found myself just way back in the camera roll. I was just like, yeah. Just one night, like alone in my bedroom, and I'm like, don't do it, don't do but it, just do. come back. Oh God, now I'm back in 2018. Now I'm now sh I'm in 2017. Now I'm just. And uh, you're just you're looking, and what's what's crazy is that we never take pictures of the bad times. You know, there are no there's no documentation of the fight that you had where you know I don't know you just like pushed it a little too far or like. Can you imagine if you're in the middle of an argument, you're just like, I can't believe you treated me this way. Yeah. How could you possibly have done that to me? Just babe, like babe, get in. Yeah, that'd be heinous. But um, but it's a mind because you go back and you're like, oh my god, wow, it just paints this like you know this depiction of of the past that really kind of wasn't there. It's like, you know, lurking behind these, like, sunset photos. It's like, you know, the fight that you had before dinner yeah. that, where, you know, you're like, this is over. You know, whatever. Yeah, and yeah, it's like, yeah. and so it can be like, it's just a trip. And so I just think it's kind of dangerous. But it's like, do you delete the photos? You know, they're your memories. You can't. No. You can't. They, they happened. The line at the end where you talk about the photo that, that I made you take. Mm -hmm. oh, man, that's what's so great about your writing, if I may say, is that you always find a way to put some responsibility, some self-awareness in this situation. Yes, that was important to me um, because it's it's rare in like in a breakup or a change um, that you know it's all one person's fault. It takes two to get there. You both dig the grave. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, it's it's not about oh well he did this or I did this. I mean it's. We got here together, and I'm examining that, and I'm just as much to blame in a lot of ways, too. So I just didn't want it to be, like, this scorned woman, like, I'm making a like a breakup. You know, yeah. it's not like that. You know, it's just it's an unfortunate happening. Um, mm. I think, you know, we talk about star-crossed, ill-fated, you mm -hmm. know, ill-fatedness. It's no one's fault. Yeah. I mean, it's like it is, but it's also <laughs> it's also not. Maybe it just was right for that time period and now in our in our present day selves, it well, just doesn't fit. I think fault is a temporary distraction from uh, it, fault is a form of control. Mm. Right? Like it's your fault is saying you had control over this and you lost control. Mm -hmm. And you took my control away from me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, so t tracing it back to what you were saying before about letting go, fault really is a temporary construct that's mm -hmm. kind of centered in hurt. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's also just kind of cheap to just be like, "Oh, it's your fault." Yeah. It's like, no. I mean, I built I built this house as well, and yeah. we both took it down. When you're scrolling through photos, it's a personal process. You made it ours. You gave it a gift. You wrote a song about it. Now we all can think about that experience and have a song to refer to. Well, how hard was that? Totally. I mean, 
I even think about someone who's passed away, you know, that's still in your camera roll, and you're like... That's a tough one. There they are. But yeah, it, it happened like late at night one night, and then I was walking past... So I have this piano in my house, and I'm not even a piano player, really, like, um, I tinker, but I was walking past the piano, and I don't know, for some reason, like, these three keys, like, just kind of popped out to me visually, and I, I went over there, and I, I, like, mashed them down, and they made this really beautiful chord. You didn't even know what the chord. I didn't know. I don't even know. I don't know keys, what the scale. I don't know the scale of the piano. But you pressed the three keys don't. that stood out, and that yeah, was the chord, the it, magic chord. It was. It's the first, the first downbeat chord of um, camera roll, and out came the first line. Don't go through your camera roll so much you don't know that you've forgotten. And then I just, I was like a snot-nosed like kid on the playground that just got pushed off the monkey bars. Like I literally could not catch my breath. I was sobbing uncontrollably. It was like probably 10.30 at night, and I called Ian Fitchuk and Daniel Tashi and the guys I made yeah. Golden Hour with, I made this yeah. record with, and I was like, can, can y'all come over here? I'm like, I've got this song, and I think we need to write it right now. And that's, that's kind of a rarity for me. We usually wow. do kind of daytime sessions and peace out. You know, they've got families and stuff. But, you know, they, they came right over, and um, it was painful. It was really, really hard for me to, to not just, like, lose it. But, but, yeah, that song happened that night. You really, like, that is something else to think about the process, right? Um, I'm doing something completely different. There's an instrument. There's three notes. Mm. There's a chord. Yeah. There's a line. That could so easily have not happened. One thousand percent. And I've, I have found that, like, through this life change and through, like, even experiencing, like, uh, the guided mushroom trip that I did, like, going into this album, like, I just think that there, there's been so much synchronicity and and little things, like happenstance things that just were just like barely to the, d the degree of happening that could have just not happened. Mm. But there was so much meaning in these like little moments. And I'm just like, I think it's really, I think it's cool uh, that once you do free up some stagnant energy for yourself, whatever that might, it might be a job that you hate. It might yeah. be like a whatever, a stale relationship or whatever. I just think that once you free up that energy for yourself, like, all these blessings and all these things are just are going to come your way because you're just you're opening yourself up oh, for it, and I feel that totally. Like, I have this. I'm obsessed with space, mm. and not like you know into outer space. Everyone's obsessed with that. I'm talking about like the <laughs> old in, news, exactly like <laughs> inner space. The idea of 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 as a species, as a as humanity, we have only so much. Oh yeah, and we think we have this unlimited capacity for things, but we don't. Right, and we have to say no in order to make space to say yes. Mm -hmm. We think, oh, I can't say no, but if you actually say no to something that's unnecessary. Necessary, guess how many more yeses you can fit in. Totally. You know, and, and I just feel like that's what you, I guess that's what I'm taking from what you're saying mm -hmm. is that like, if you create space, you'll create a heighter sense of awareness and self-awareness and be more present and open to these yeah. opportunities. Yes. No is beautiful. Like, well, I don't know why we're all scared of no, but like, especially after COVID, I think that it's, um, I mean, we even, even with who we chose to quarantine with, yeah. we had to be ruthless. Like, yeah. you are in my quarantine pod, you are not in my quarantine pod. Yeah. The things that are are going to, um, to keep me alive mm -hmm. and keep me going. Mm -hmm. And I just think that, like, post that, I think that, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a nice reminder to only put the things back into your life that really matter. You know, it's just cut the bullshit, cut, just get rid of it. Stop saying yes. And it, and it really is quite a selfish thing, I think. The more we try to please other people, we're just trying to sort of make ourselves. Ew. Feel exactly. Yeah, it's gross. It's like, yeah. it's kind of gluttony. It's, it's just like, stop it. Yeah. Just, you're being gross. Oh. Yeah. I got to make everyone happy. Are you, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> Do you need anything from me? I'm crumbling inside. Oh, I'm so, oh, I'm so full. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's amazing. When we spoke, when you, you, put, you did an amazing performance of Slow Burn, which is, you can still watch on Apple Music, which is incredible. And we had a conversation and, you were super rad. You were just like, oh, yeah, that song, I wrote that. I was tripping on mushrooms on the, on the scoop <laughs> and just dropped it out there. And so I knew that, you know, you had dabbled in psychedelia before. But what I really liked about the way the story is forming around Starcrossed is that you went in there and you used it as a tool. Mm -hmm. And you, cho you chose to go in there and see what it would uncover and what it would create. Mm -hmm. I think, obviously, space being yeah. a big one. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, for sure. And, like, you know, it's hard. I feel like... Uh, I've been thinking about this lately, you know, as I'm, you know, releasing this album and talking to people about it. And, you know, the guided trip that I did is part of the story and it's part of the creation process. It's just funny how, you know, I, I would say journalists 
like kind of latch on. You don't want to like, be the tripper. You don't want to be that. Like, you're like, well, here comes Casey. She's wasted. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Look at her eyes, man. Yeah. She ain't here. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, okay, it's just, like, it's just a part of the brand, but everyone loves clickbait. So I'm just like, all right. You no, know, I get that. And groundbreaking. Also, but also, there's a weird thing about, look, I mean, as marijuana becomes more legalized more and more places mm-hmm. around the world, we got to find some bad <laughs> drug to focus on, right? Like, what's next? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just interesting. Like, if you if you do any kind of research about psychedelics um, and mushrooms and plant therapy, I mean it's really helping a lot of people. Yeah. And I'm not here to be any kind of advocate on that. I just know kind of what what works with me, and yeah. um, I would never push anyone to do anything that they're not comfortable with. Obviously, Disclaimer kids, acknowledged. Kids, it's moderate. You Disclaimer know. acknowledged, yeah. verified. We're good. That was for my grandma. <laughs> but no, uh, no, it's incredible though. And I I went in. It was at the beginning of this year. Um, I was like, I I want the chance to transform my trauma into something else, mm. and I want to give myself that opportunity, even if it's painful. And man, I, it was completely life changing in so many ways. But um, it also triggered this whole big bang of like not only the album title, but the song Star Crossed, the concept, the you know me looking into the structure of tragedies themselves, like as an art form throughout time. You know, I mean, you know, back in the Greek Greek theater, like. It was set around a tragedy, you know. So, in the best way of trying to describe it, do you felt it brought you closer? Oh my God! It, it brought me closer to uh, myself, the the living thread that moves through all living things, um, to my creativity, the muse. Did it make time relative? Was it all of a sudden like, hmm, what worked in the Greek tragedy era can work in 2021 is what I'm saying? Did it narrow yeah, the field? Yeah, I mean, it was just like, it's still all the same. It's still all the same. And, and the, the common thread there is catharsis. I mean, hmm. you know, uh, these audiences would, would go to the theater to forget about their, their, their own traumas, like for just a second. And they would witness these characters, the exposition, a climax, a downfall, yeah. and then a resolution. And it's they would all leave. It's soap opera. Yeah. We watch it every week. Days of our lives. Exactly. Yeah, basically. But yeah, it's um, it's that, and it's 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 the most popular art form across time, and it, I think it always will be. And tragedy. It's it's fucking, it's a modern tragedy in three acts. One of the things that really sort of I, I thought was super cool about this experience that you went through in order to create this music was that music played a role. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just like, hey, go lie in a field and stare at the stars. No. Uh, so it's a team of neuroscientists. They put this playlist together. And it's just, it's wonderful. It reminds you, like, music is almost like this, you know, we've got we've got air, water, fire, and, like, I feel like music is almost the other, like, the other sense. It's just crazy that it can trigger so many memories and, and feelings in your body. I mean, I felt like at one point I was being, like, like, every time I would hear, like, the strings, like, on, on this, like, stringed instrument, I just felt like my body was just being pulled in that way. Amazing. But, uh, yeah, and then, you know, towards the end of the experience, after I had kind of moved through a lot of, like, deep anxiety, um, sorrow. I mean, I was like cracked wide open. I was like sobbing uncontrollably. And that even in itself, I think just releases a lot of stagnant energy, which was really nice, you know. Um, I'm not like an easy crier in front of people. Like I've always been like, you know, don't cry, (laughs) like stay strong. Mm. Um, So it was nice to just crack open and not give a and just to let it out. It felt so good. And then, you know, lots of childhood memories, things I'd forgotten about came flooding in. Uh, and then towards the end of the trip, you know, you kind of move into this, like, really open-hearted, warm, kind of like, you know, awestruck feeling of gratitude for, for life, being alive, being a human, um, the love that you have, and, you know, just all that. And and one of the songs that came to me in that moment of the trip was the Gracias a la Vida. Wow. And wow. I, uh, whew, I was impaled. I was flattened. It was just it was just so beautiful. It was the version by Mercedes Sosa, who yeah. she recorded it in the early seventies, I believe. But I love that your version of that because I feel like you've you've created um, a really faithful suite dedicated to it from its original form mm-hmm. all the way through to what it c- could become. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a reflection of the trip in itself in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you can take any song like that and you can record it exactly like they did it, and that would be fine. I just think that I wanted to take it somewhere else, and I almost pictured that song as like a living thing, you know. Um, it was written uh, by Violeta Parra, mm-hmm. and I just think it's kind of astounding that she wrote that song. It was it was on her last um, release, and then she committed suicide. And this was basically like, in a sense, her suicide note to the world. Um 
saying, thank you, thank you, life. You have given me so much. You've given me the beautiful and the terrible, and that has made, that has made up my, my song, you mm -hmm. know, and it's all of our song. It's all the same thing. And, uh, you know, then you, you have Mercedes Sosa, who re-records the song, re-releases it, it finds new life. And then here I am, like, I'm this random Texan girl. I'm in Nashville. I'm on this, like, out, I'm in outer fucking space. I'm on a mushroom trip, and this song finds me in that state and inspires me to record it. And it's just like it keeps, like, reaching through time and living on. And I kind of wanted to take, like, apply that sonically to the song, too. It kind of moves through different audio. I love that. You know. I love the arrangement of it. I think it's amazing. The song itself is absolutely stunning, and you you, you bring new life to it. Um, so when you come out of this, uh, of the other end of this experience, before we dive into how it really relates to the album, I want to talk about how it relates to you mm -hmm. and, and how you related to yourself mm -hmm. and how you felt about yourself versus how you did before. Ooh, yeah. Um, well, one thing about me is that I can be a bit of a perfectionist. Um, I think... A lot is tied to me being like l quite literally a child performer. Like I grew up singing mm. in public around age eight, um, around age nine, and that's kind of when my childhood took a turn into something that is different than most people's childhood. Yeah, and at that point, can, looking back on it now, can you uh, ask yourself the question: When you're that age, mm -hmm. did I have a choice, really? Right, and it's like I knew that I liked it. I knew that there was some joy that was found in you know maybe uh, using a natural ability or a knack or something like that, but. Um, and like bless my parents, like they were just doing what they thought was right at yeah, the time, yeah. and like I'm, it got me to where I am quite literally. So I, I have to be massively thankful for it. But it's a different path for a kid, you know. When most kids are going to sleepovers and school dances, like I was on the out on the weekend singing to rooms full of people that I didn't know, singing songs that I kind of almost didn't really know how to relate to. There were old covers and yeah. Anyways, needless to say, I think through that and through maybe growing up finding my worth in what I'm doing, not who I am. Um, I've been really hard on myself, like, over the, you know, in my adult life. And so this this trip, like, at one point, whenever I, I came face-to-face -face with myself as a nine-year-old girl, mm. visually, like, I saw myself, and uh, I immediately felt a sense of empathy and compassion f for myself, and I gave... Um, gave myself some love, some hugs, and said, I love you, like, it's going to be okay, and... It was just really powerful. Like it was just like, look, you've been through a lot. You're doing the best you can. It's it's ease up on yourself. And so it gave me kind of a, a free pass to kind of just like, I don't know, give myself some grace. Has it affected the way you think about this life and what comes next, or even what's happening simultaneously while we're in this moment? And I mean, the thing is, is that no one has the answers, you know. Yeah. And I think it's funny that we're all running around here like pointing our fingers at everyone, being like, I know what I'm talking about, and you don't. And it's well, like that's fair. I don't know. It, it made me think a lot about reincarnation. Um, yeah, did it, did it affect your spiritual state? I was already kind of leaning that way anyway. I mean, I think that, like, I don't count myself as part of any kind of organized religion, but sure. I feel like I'm, I feel best when I, I acknowledge and I feel connected to just the flow of life. I'm the I same. don't know. So, whatever that is. I'm the same. I just was never really good at picking one or the other. Yeah. It's like I was never good at choices. <laughs> so it's like, I know. I, let no. me just figure it, figure it out myself. But yeah. But, yeah, I definitely wouldn't call myself a, a, a cynic when it comes to that. No, not at all. I mean, there was a, a point where, like, I met this ball of light, and without having any any face, voice, or any other indication, I knew 1,000% that it was my grandma who had passed away wow. um, back in, like, 2014. And it was just interesting. Like, I've had a few other friends that have done you know, the same type of trip or whatever, and one in particular said that she met orbs that were family members, too. And I'm like, what is that? You know, that's—what is that? I don't know. It might be complete insanity. <laughs> but— It doesn't matter. And then after that, there was just a lot of um, weird, synchronistic things that would kind of just be like, wow. And I don't know. It just made me feel a little bit more tuned in, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like it—I mean— Whew. So, I mean, the album starts with Starcrossed, and we're talking, I mean, it sets the scene beautifully. You play the part as, of a narrator at the start, mm -hmm. and then you very immediately move into character mode. Yes. And I think that's really interesting because I think most people would have expected you to hold on to the narrator role for longer. Really? So you, but well, anybody, not yeah. just you, anybody yeah. who has the story to tell right. would be like, I can protect myself through this the narrator. Way. I can, right. This I, this I can do. 
Right. But it's like you try to do it and then you immediately go, that's not going to fly. Right. I need to be a protagonist. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That is really interesting. It's weird. It's like I feel like this record couldn't be more literal in some ways, but I also feel like it's got this um, theatrical kind of almost fantasy take on... Oh, definitely. And sonically as well, with all the pads and the guitars mm-hmm. and the way that the Spanish guitars lilt through. It's got a real cinematic feel to it. Yeah, I wanted there to be that, like, just kind of that classical... Um, that classical story, that classical um, vibe, like, kind of woven through all mm. these other modern sounds, which I always love, you know, when something classic and something... Um, or something traditional and something futuristic, like, kind of meet. Like, I just... I'm always intrigued by that, whether it's in fashion or, mm. you know... Well, one of my favorite pop stars, you know, who sadly is no longer with us, but created music that I feel really danced in that that space. Um, you know, it felt like a beautiful script every time he sang was George Michael. Mm-hmm. And I I would never pretend to, say, to think it's as literal as an influence, but, but when I hear certain songs, um, the way the pads float in and flow out and the way that, you know, you bring this organic instrumentation into this mm. really beautiful softness, mm. um, it reminds me of, of it's classic pop. yeah. There are certain aspects of this record that sound a little bit more country, I guess, than um, than than Golden Hour. It, I don't know, but at the same time, like I feel like I'm using, I'm tapping into more influences on this, like wide, you know, widespread influences on this album. Yeah. Um, but then there are moments like hookup scene and camera roll, and um, I don't know. There are some moments that kind of bring it back to that, where you can see kind of the relation to like my yeah. even my previous music. I don't know. Where were you when you wrote hookups? Uh, hookup scene because again, <laughs> that's one of those songs that's just such a the arrangement is so perfect and it's such a it's a rare moment mm-hmm. where an artist talks openly about the reality behind being single. Yeah. Because normally most artists are like, I don't want you to know anything to do with my life outside of what you hear. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it was actually on Thanksgiving Day, and uh, I had been let down by um, by someone who was going to come visit me. And uh, it was kind of, you know, my first few steps into kind of exploring being a single 30-something-year-old person after a marriage. Um, and, you know, nothing for nothing, like, after a huge point of my career, like, more notoriety. Like, it's, it's, it was a really naked place and but also being kind of excited about you know kind of exploring some of that and Mm. then also being like really disappointed by it and taken back by me like this is not what it's made out to be um you know we live in this like hookup culture where I'm I'm for it like I'm um I'm for whatever it makes you feel happy as long as long as it's safe doesn't hurt other people like you know fine but uh I've just never experienced that like you know the dating app culture and all that like and I, I mean I'm not I'm not going to. But what I'm saying is, is like, it was it was just shocking. It was a little shocking. It was surprising. And it was like, it made me just think that, like, you know, um, we all have flaws. Yeah, but they're so accessible now. What? That's the thing. The flaws, the disappointments, mm. it's all so accessible. I feel like right. from speaking to my friends, you would, t- t- you would set yourself up for either joy or disappointment, but mm. you had a runway towards it. Mm-hmm. You would meet someone, either through a friend or randomly. You would take your time. You would get to know them. You'd right. figure it out whether or not you want to take the next totally. step. And by the fourth step, you're disappointed. Yeah. Now, it just feels like you can feel all of those things in a one-hour period. Exactly. <laughs> but it's it makes it so um, transient or it makes it so, like, disposable, I yeah. guess you could say. Yeah. So while I think that there are pros to being able to be, like, I'm downloading your information. Oh, red flag, goodbye. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it saves time in a lot of ways. We've become very yeah, good at that as a species. Totally. Saving time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know, but it, but yeah, I think it can be detrimental too. Or just, it's just a nice reminder that like, you're going to have this set of issues with this person. Um, naturally, like two humans that are kind of, co- you know, trying to coexist together. Like there's going to be a rub. It's not always going to be perfect. Yeah, it's just what it you're out. deciding to uh, make your, or what you're willing to live with as your normal. You know what I mean? Um, because the next person over here, you might think the grass is greener, but it's going to be a whole different other thing. And it's like... Basically, that song slows things down. That's what I took from it. Yeah, yeah. Just like, you know, it might not be better on the other side. So, beat. like, look at beautifying what you have. I love that song. And I, and I think as, a, as performances go, it's like there's a little wink in it as well, which is really great. There's a couple of moments in the album where I feel like you're just taking the pressure off a little bit mm-hmm. and you're trying to find some lightness in all of this. Right. Um, without sacrificing the depth. And, and, totally. And, you know, Simple Times is for me that. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
that idea of like harking back to to simpler times when it was just you and your friends and you didn't mm-hmm. have all of these things that kind of occupy the record. Um, was that fun to write? What oh did gosh. you get out of that? Uh, yeah, I love simple times. Also, like, I'm really excited about the video that we have made for it. Like, yeah. it's so, so fun. But, yeah, I don't know. I think, like, I've just been longing for this this time, um, you know, pre-COVID, pre-career. You know, when, when you just – it was just simple. The decisions, there were only a few, and none of them were really stressy. It was mm-hmm. like – you know what I mean? So it's not just this album, Golden Hour, and all the years leading up to it, you've had to make sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us don't realize that. I mean, when you're a fan of an artist, you don't look behind the, the, the curtain and realize that there are relationships that right. aren't what they were. Totally. There are birthdays missed. Oh, my gosh. Anniversaries. There's time, so much time that you cannot get back, you, you know, back. and uh, you have to really want to be out there. And for me, like... Um, I, I love the creation process, like taking songs um, and little little seeds out of life, creating them into something tangible that not only I can relate to, but then other people can relate to. That's my favorite part. Mm. Touring is necessary, and I think that it maybe it brings a lot of joy to a lot of people, and I'm so happy to be part of that process. But touring does not fill my heart like creation does. You gotta really you gotta really weigh like is it is it worth like you know maybe my grandparents don't have that much longer here on earth. I don't know. Maybe maybe my sister, like, we just don't know what's going to happen with life. And, like, do I really want to be, like, in Rhode Island on a bus by myself, you know, while they're celebrating my dad's birthday who I haven't seen in three months? Like, yeah. you just got to weigh it. And there's a lot. But, yeah, I don't know. But I guess that's with any any job and any anything. It is. And I think that <clears throat> there's a period in our life where we hunt and we gather and we and we try to – it's like it's some kind of weird perceived idea that if we do all this work in a, in a time when we should be enjoying mm. the people around us, mm-hmm. we'll get to enjoy it later. And then by totally. the time you have it, they're gone. Yes. Yes. It's like a cruel totally. joke. It is a cruel joke, and it's interesting that that's kind of like the mode that we've all been programmed to – Accept. To accept, yeah. So I think um, it's just about, like, saying no. Say <laughs> saying no, no more often. The era of no. Yeah, no, I love that song, and I love where it leads at the end, toward the end of Act 1, which, you know, if this was a movie, um, mm-hmm. and the idea of romanticizing romance, and we create these ideals oh, right. in our mind right. of what it should be versus what the reality is. Um, I, I, do you think you that you've always at your heart this is probably the most chiffon question I'm going to ask today but that, that that you are kind of an idealistic romantic and that maybe you set the bar too high and that you've learned that that's not actually the reality is that what that song's about well that song in particular like I remember being in the house um things had just you know completely fallen apart in the relationship and I remember thinking like man if this was a movie it wouldn't be like this at all like you know, he'd be running up the stairs. I'd hear his mm. car on the drive. He'd be running up the stairs and grabbing my face and saying, we're being stupid, and yeah. we'd just go back to normal. And it's just it's just not like that. I think I can be um, an idealist, like a, an optimist in relationships, but I'm also like I love logic, you know. Um, I do well with with someone who can also recognize, like, common sense and logic and doesn't get, like, lost in, like, these lofty— The over-emotion. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I think if you operate too based on emotion, I mean, that can be— Kind of dangerous. All right, let's get let's get let's nerd out hard here right. on, on this particular point. Do you feel like you're only really at your best when it's uh, appearing in front of you without without logic? You know what I mean? Like mm. that idea of walking past the piano, hitting those chords, and that thing just coming out. Like mm. you can't manufacture that. If you could, right. it would be the hottest product on the market. Totally, bottle it up. But. It obviously happens. Right. And what does that feel like? And, and Yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting. Um, most of my ideas come from this um, kind of abstract place that isn't really me. I don't know. It's, it's, mm. uh, it's interesting. I mean, they're, it's weird because they're directly influenced by literally what I'm going through. But they just they, they hit me almost like they're a voice like from someone else. You know what I mean? And then it's, I just feel like it's my job. Like you're to, a vessel. Yeah. It's my job to, to notice and to grab on and to um, make a record of it. And I think that inspiration is interesting because I think that it's accessible to everyone, no more so me than anyone else. I don't deserve it any more than anyone else. But I think that if you if you pay attention to it, it's just about mm. paying attention to pay it. Attention. I mean, inspiration for me is in all the little things. Mm. Um, it's in, like, just living life and fucking up and, you know, having relationships and learning and 
um, or taking in things like books, movies, shows, like traveling, you know. So what is writer's block? And did you f go through any of it during the painful process of the last couple of years? Um, writer's block is interesting. I feel like it's just an indication that you need to change up your routine, right. you know, in some way. Just uh, change it up, uh, you know, ingest something new. Um, but not really writer's block. Um, I write differently than I think a lot of people. It's, I mean, some people's faucet is always on. Um, mine isn't. I mean, I'm just always saving ideas, like, and putting them in a basket for later. And then when I do have time to go in, like with Ian and Daniel or whatever, then we kind of unpack and see what we have and see if there's an overarching mm. thing that I'm saying. Mm. So right after Golden Hour, the first song that we wrote was Good Wife. Um, and you were still in a relationship at that point. Still in a relationship. I was overwhelmed with the, the task of having promised to be something to someone that I wasn't sure that I could come through on. Wow. Because... Uh, it was difficult, and I, um, I was just—it's it's a prayer to myself, but also just by saying, like, please help me be the person that I need to be for this other person. Um, I don't know if I can, and I'm a, or I'm having a hard time with it. So, anyways, that—that yeah. that was kind of where Golden Hour picked up, and then, um, or you know, left off. Good Wife was written, um, and I think Cherry Blossom Mistakes. I mean, it's almost like in, it yeah. is in chronological order. Yeah. And then so I was too close to it, you know, but stepping back and going, oh, so there is a story here, you know. There is actually a story here. But for a while I was kind of freaked out, like, I don't have a concept, like I don't have an album title. What is this going to be? It's just going to be a bunch of sad songs, you know what I mean? But then Starcross happened. It was the 40th song we wrote. And actually funny that it's the first song on the that, you, that opens the album, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's the album title as well. Yes, yeah, totally. I just really like that definition, you know, um, and I kind of came up with my own sort of too because all the uh, the definitions that are out there are pretty antiquated, you know, from the old Bill Shakespeare days. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's to be fucked by love or luck. You're ill-fated. It's just not written in the stars. It is not for you. And, yeah. You know, when you think about the idea of writing songs now um, and writing love songs now, has that process or the thought of that changed now that you've written this beautiful, pure idea of what it is and that exists and you can't delete it? Right. I don't, well, the thing about songs is that there's already a million out there about the same thing. You just have to figure out how to wrap it up in a different, little bit of a different bow, you know? Yeah. And that's a, one thing that I was really proud of with Golden Hour is that, like, I mean, the world probably doesn't need more love songs. We've got, like... We've got Marvin Gaye. What do you got, mean? You know we what I mean? We always need more love songs. No, but they've songs. all been said. It's all been said, you know? So I'm like, I was proud that I felt like I found a new way to say some things, you know what I mean? And yeah. I was also proud of the fact that I, for the first time, had felt that I could genuinely make good art without being miserable. That was, that was like a, that was nice to know. Yeah. Um, so... It's funny being on the opposite side straight of that. Straight back to misery. Just straight back to Let's the, go back to yeah, misery. I'm emo again, so. Yeah. Well, I've talked to a few songwriters in the past about this process, and they say that misery is much more straightforward to communicate than joy and happiness mm -hmm. and love. But yeah. that's actually really challenging. So I guess to yeah. finish that comparison between the two albums, um, which one was more of a challenge to write than the other? Maybe Golden Hour. Maybe the other side of it because, you know, I don't know, because I think it, if you're not careful, you can you can create songs that are one-dimensional. It's like, oh, I'm happy, or yeah. yay, happiness. How many different ways can I tell the story? Okay, boring, snooze. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why, like, I always love the juxtaposition of a, of a happy song's feeling or sounding a little bit sad or mm -hmm. vice versa. Like, just the melancholiness, finding the melancholy, like, in even the most happy moments. Like, I just can't help it. I just think that, like... There's so much beauty and sadness, and there's so much sadness and beauty. Like, I'll sometimes zoom out of a really beautiful moment and go, wow, this is fucking incredible. It's, it's about to be over. No, I love that. You know what I mean? And so, and, and, I don't and know. I've, in my life, I've always sort of rejected that a little bit out of anxiety, fear of, 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 develop, of purposely developing an, an anxious state. So I'm like... Well, you're more evolved than me, apparently. So. No, you're more evolved than me, because <laughs> what you're able to do is step back and go... I, I love this so much I'm able to see the end mm. and I'm able to know that yeah. if this makes me feel a certain way that I can't stay this way forever. Right. And I think part of the trick of being human is that we're always looking to be in this euphoric state. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think happiness is a moving target. Hmm. It's not 
It's not always there. Is that why um, we're trying to capture it all the time and present it all the time because we're trying to control it? We're trying to bring the target into focus with every photo. We're trying to convince every... ourselves that we're in that state all the time. But you do it you know? and I do it. I mean, I follow you, you follow me. Oh, How many yeah. pictures do we take of like, look at me and my amazing life? And, and I do it because I think it, it makes me feel good to document it. Mm-hmm. But then I'd be lying if I said I wasn't For trying sure. to present it. I think that we're all guilty of that, like, whether you're a celebrity or not. Like, it's like, no, everyone puts out their highlight reel. Nobody's putting up, you know, they're f- putting out their fuck-ups, you know? Yeah. And that's that's one of the reasons why, you know, it's daunting, but I'm excited to share Starcrossed is because, like, people know me to be, like, a songwriter that writes about what I'm going through, and I think it would have been extremely awkward if I just, like, you know, acted like this last chapter, like, didn't happen for me. So yeah. I think you saw my high- my highlight reel with Golden Hour, and this is the other side of that. And I mean, that there are beautiful parts of that too. Before Golden Hour, the fans knew that there was this outer beauty, this inner beauty that reflected an outer beauty, right? That you that you that you had this ability to reach people. You're charismatic. You, you know, you wear things well. There's the things that you can dabble in. And if you mm-hmm. love clothes, you wear them well. People will give them to you. But now I feel like you've reached, you've attained this place where. You can spend a lot of time there if you want to. Mm-hmm. So, coming out of a place where no one's picking up the phone because we can't move, right? You've got your heart broken. You're just trying to put yourself back together. You're going off to Mars to do it, mm-hmm. and you come back. What does that mean now? And can you enjoy it? And is it still fun? And I think that I'm able to be affected less by it. Yeah. You know, um, I already feel like maybe I wasn't, you know, in a lot of ways, but. But even more so now, I mean, like... You I just, were? You're saying you feel like you were affected by it at one point? No, I mean, I don't think I don't think that I was ever, have been ever really super crazy affected by it, but I'm saying even less so now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's just, I don't know, like, Casey Muster, like, it just doesn't matter. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel like post-COVID, post-mushroom trip, post, you know, life rearrange, it's just like, there's just less time for bullshit. There's, like, less, yeah. there's less time for the menial. There's less time for, like... Like, I found myself, like, just getting so just, like, you know, overwhelmed and so um, exhausted by, like, even just, like, small talk. I'm like, who has the time for this? So we what are, matters? The, the, I wouldn't say that I have, like, a massive group of friends, but the, the, the few close, really close relationships that I have, those really matter to me. Um, my family, uh, being able to express myself creatively, creative freedom for myself. yeah. yeah. Um, total creative freedom, the ability to say no without guilt, um, the ability to give myself the grace that I need. Mm-hmm. I think those are the things that, like, I'm like, okay, these are what matter. And at the root of that, I think, is is creative expression for me. Um, beyond that, I, I just don't want to force anything <laughs> at all. But it's so funny. I just, I guess we, we, it is that old adage of sitting on the sitting on the pier, right, fishing. You know that old story. Mm-mm. There's an old man sitting on a pier fishing in a... A younger person comes up, or an old woman, someone, a young, an old person, and, an old, and a younger person comes up and says, um, "You know, hey, you've caught a lot of fish. You should start your business." Mm-hmm. And the older person goes, "Why?" And he goes, "Well, so you can, you know, catch more fish. Why? Well, so that you can take all that fish and you can sell it. Why? Right. Well, you can build a business, and and then you become successful and you make more businesses as you was going. Why? Well, because then when you have more successful businesses, you make money and you can retire. And then what? And then you can come and sit on a pier and fish." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I just like... Like It's just a race, isn't it? It's it's a race to the end. It's It's, a race to the end. Yeah, yeah. You're busy as f*** and then you die, (laughs) basically. (laughs) Please add a rating or a comment to that. And if you haven't yet, follow this series as we continue to have really interesting conversations with amazing and interesting people. Thanks for listening.